yo. Sorry, I'm tired. It's a quick change. Hey, yo, how you all doing up in here, eh? Doing good? Hey, yo. I just ran all the way from Philadelphia, you knows. Just got done with mass. I'd like to read you guys some scriptures here. That's cool with you all, all right? Now, you have to forgive me. I didn't get past the third grade. I got hit in the head a lot, so it might go a little slow here. We're reading from Ephesians 6, chapter 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. If you would, with me, welcome. Hey, yo, Eldorado. I want you to join with me and say five words. <laughs> wow. The words are let's get ready to rumble and say it like this let's get ready to rumble. Wow. When I asked the uh, first group to say that, uh, this is how it sounded. I hear you. We're talking about the full armor of God, part three. We're in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is a mighty fine mystery book. How many like mysteries? I love a mystery, especially when they reveal the mystery at the end of the book. Well, Ephesians 1, 9, Ephesians 3, 4, and 9, Ephesians 5, uh, 31, and Ephesians, no, that's Ephesians 3, and Ephesians 5, 19 speak of a mystery. A mystery is something that's hidden. And the good news about this mystery in the book of Ephesians, it is revealed. Peppered throughout the whole thing is a revelation of who you are in Christ. Not who I am, though it is, it's who you are. Sitting in this crowd, there's a mystery about you, and you are in Christ. Isn't that good news? I think it's pretty good news. 
the, uh, in Romans 1, Paul talks about this thing called the gospel where he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, the good news, is the power of God, the dynamic ability of God, the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the book of Ephesians reveals to us how the Gentiles are included, not as a part B, but as a part of the same plan, part of the gospel of Christ and all that that entails. That's good news. That's because most of us in here ain't Jews. Most of us are Gentiles. And so the good news is, this was given, this was given, boom. And we come, we, bec- we become one man, one person, one body, the body of Christ. Many parts, one body. That's good news. Many are feet, many are noses, many are fingers, many are good looking. Many are, uh, uh, many, uh, listen, uh, even, even a body has armpits. Offensive to some, but very necessary. That's what I said, yeah. <laughs> now, we're in a struggle. We're in a battle. We're in a war. We're in a wrestle. Wrestling match, or as we like to say, wrestling, brother. Sweet Al Rose over there. Woo! Yeah. I love wrestling. I like to watch it. I like to battle between good and evil. And I like to see, you know, a few people know that my man over there, Big Al, the Rev, Pastor Alan Smith, missions pastor, was Sweet Al Rose, a wrestling man. Yeah, look look at him, look at him and go, Woo! <laughs> wow, I'm excited. Well listen, we are in a struggle and a war and all that stuff, and there are four things that you need to know, and we're just going to outline them here and go on down, but you need to know, number one, who is and is not your enemy? Who is and who is not your enemy? The Word says in Ephesians, we struggle not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, flesh and blood simply means the body. Now, everybody look at one another and say, you are flesh and blood. Now, this time, look at the person and say, you're not my enemy. Isn't that good news? You don't have to fight with one another any longer. Look at, husbands, look at your wife and say, you are my honey bunny and not my enemy. Now kiss her, kiss him. Go ahead. Hey, it's okay to have a little flesh and blood on the lips. That's okay. Come on. <laughs> well, the bottom line is the devil is your enemy. He's the one stirring the pot. He's the one causing all the trouble. He's the one pushing your buttons because he knows which buttons, buttons to push. Doesn't he? Ooh, oh, why did you say that? Oh, why didn't you do that? Well, honey, I, I, you start speaking in honeymooner tongues. 
For those who don't know the honeymooners, Jackie Gleason, humana, humana, humana. Ay, 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 yeah. I love Lucy, Ricky Ricardo, yeah. So, your enemy's the devil. Also, yeah. That one kid had more energy than the entire first service. Yeah. <laughs> also, your enemy is not just devil, it's also his minions. The ones that he says, go over there, cause this, go over there, do that, go over there, offend somebody, go over there and do that, and they got human bodies that do it. Anybody been offended by anyone this week? Huh? I got the biblical uh, uh, the, the thing to do, get over it. Forgive them. Love them anyway. Oh, that's just, that's just crazy talk. Because <laughs> I'm crazy. Now, the second thing you need to do is know the place of engagement. The battleground. You know, the battleground is very important for you to be on because if you are not on the right battleground, you're standing by yourself wondering where everybody went. You, and, you, and when you're fighting, you're fighting in a place where there is nobody to fight. Right? And so the battleground, of course, uh, according to Ephesians, is in the heavenlies. You know, the place where there is warfare going on. And Jewish thought, there are seven heavens. At least somebody, Paul or somebody else, went to the third heaven. But there was stuff going on. And so this thing called war is taking place in a spiritual realm, not an earthly realm. It may manifest itself in an earthly realm, right? But just because you're having a problem with your husband doesn't mean that he's the problem, although it's manifested in your house, right? It's, it's happening elsewhere before it ever takes place down here. And so we have the heavenly realm. Another place of the battlefield is the, is the mind. The mind is a fertile field of when things negative are planted, you begin to go at war with yourself sometimes. You know, when the Word says in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your heart and your mind. Heart, mind, heart, mind in Christ Jesus. That's where the war's going on. That's why you have to have a renewed mind and have to have your heart guarded. You know, there's a heart attack going on. And it's not necessarily going to put you in the hospital, but it sure will make your life miserable unless you deal with it. And in the words of Jack Hafer, deal with it and be done with it. Most of us don't deal with it and live with it all of our lives miserable, bitter, resentful towards other people. You can't live like that. You've got to release that. Am I right? Back in the day, I was talking to my dad. We'd argue all the time. I was, you know, a teenager, and he wasn't. Lonnie Boyd, or, or as he used to be called, Happy Boy, and he never was really happy. Uh, but he was called Happy Boy. That's a CB radio. And uh, so he would be laying out very methodically, his point of view about why I shouldn't be doing something. And then he would say, am I right or wrong? And I look at him and say, wrong? <laughs> wrong thing to do with flesh and blood. <laughs> so you got to know the engagement and battleground fields. 
it's in the heavenly places, but listen, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Know your weaponry and know your armor. Yeah, you need to know what you have at your disposal, right? You need to know how to use what you got, right? And so uh, our uh, weaponry is not in flesh, again, but it's divinely powerful. Divinely powerful. When, you're, when you are battling in the, in, the, uh, in the flesh using fleshly weapons, you are weak and you're a loser. And we'll always come out the losing end. The key is to win, right? And so, uh, also, uh, you have the full armor of God to put on. My problem is when I put on the full armor of Rod, and I leave, leave areas that are exposed all the time. All the time. So, proper weapons, proper uh, armor. You also need to know the enemy's target. You need to know who they are after. Because if you don't, you may be guarding something that they're not even looking at. Well, the target is twofold. Number one, it's you. It's you. And any area of your life, you. The devil's out to get you. But that's not the will of God for you. Also, and I think this is the ultimate target. He's getting it used so he can take this one out. The gospel. The death, burial, resurrection. He does not want the gospel to go out. He does not want you to mention the gospel on your lips. Because, and we'll talk about this again a little later. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of things later, aren't we? Wow. The gospel is simply this. It's good news versus bad news. The gospel is nothing more than, it's not your tithing. Isn't that good news? You go share about your tithing all day long and they'll just say, yep, that Christian talking about money again. It's not even speaking in tongues. That's not the gospel. You can speak in tongues all day long. They'll never understand you. Right? The gospel is not your good works or even going to a mission field. They're vehicles to carry out the will of God. But the gospel is merely, I say merely, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. He died. He was buried and he rose again. The devil does not want that information going out. He'll do everything he can to make it like it's a myth, a legend, something you made up in your own mind. But it's reality. It's the truth. And a lot of things are linked to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Now, As we go through Ephesians, we begin to see what I call verb directives. I like a verb. What is a verb? Action. And in New Orleans, it's action. That's right. And and so a verb is something you do. As a speech pathologist, I just love 
I just love words and semantics and syntax and, you know, proper grammar and proper per, uh, uh, pr- um, punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> On the, listen, seven day God rested and then he woke up and said, wait a minute, I got one more. Editors. Can I get an amen on the editors? Let's hear for the editors in my life. If you didn't have Mike and Paula Parker, my books would read like this. Duh. (laughs) And by the way, the books can be purchased out there with the lovely Brenda. (laughs) Gift offer number 337. Now listen, the verbs are action words. And, and they are directives. God is not just saying, uh, do the verbs if you want to. You know, if you feel like it. You know, the beautiful thing about the verbs and these directives, they're all matters of choice. Everybody raise your hand. Raise your hand. Now put your hands down. Now I'm going to say raise your hand, but don't raise them. Don't raise them. Raise your hand. Well, you had a choice, didn't you? You can choose to do or not to do. You can choose to love. You can choose to have sex outside of marriage. You can choose to drugs. You can choose, you have choices. We are free will people. Hallelujah. We have a thing called volition. Everybody say volition. And every time I say volition, I keep thinking, volare. Whoa. So these verbs, these action choices, begin with the first choice. Be strong in the Lord. Be, that means to be or not to be. That is the question. Spring house, a little drama right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. well the choice is to be. And uh, and it's to be strong. Strong means to be empowered, to be enabled, to be uh, have an increase in your strength and be made strong. It's a choice. Oh, if God could just come down and give you a, a, a gift of strength. Oh, if He could just grow a little strength in your fruit of the Spirit. He won't. He says, be strong. You make the choice. It's kind of like, depending on who you're talking to, a thorn in the flesh. Everybody say thorn. thorn. Flesh. flesh. Everywhere you look in the Old Testament, a thorn is not good. It's an enemy. It's a human being bleh, sticking something in you. And the thorn in the flesh where uh, uh, the, uh, we think it's Paul talking about the, uh, uh, the thorn in the flesh, he defines who the thorn is. A messenger from... Satan. That's what the thorn is. Paul begged him three times, take the thorn away, God. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take anything away from you. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient to deal with a thorn. You know, grace is divine favor. It's unmerited favor. It's a free gift. But the best definition in Strong's Concordance is it's the... the, the, um, the, I don't know what it is now. It's the influence within the heart manifested in the life. That's how you deal with thorns. That's how you deal with the devil. 
by His grace and His mercy and your free will to pluck it out. Too many Christians walking around with a thorn in your side wishing, oh, I guess this is my cross to bear. God, take it away. I said, God, take it away. Number three, God, take it away. He said, no, my grace is sufficient for you to deal with the thorns. I've given you authority. I've given you power. Pluck it out. You know, the word rebuke simply means stop it. That's enough. That's all a rebuke is. Stop it. That's enough. The devil got a hold of your children. Stop it. That's enough. Are you been plagued with sickness and disease for years? Stop it. That's enough. Well, isn't it the will of God to be sick? No. It's the will of the devil. Thank you. I'll go on now. Oh, yeah, you know, in, uh, in our class, Healing 101, that we meets on Wednesday nights at uh, 6.30, we're taking the, the Jesus modus operandi, His big M.O. Here's what Jesus did when He was anointed with the Holy Ghost, and He was anointed with dynamic ability or dunamis or power. It says in Acts 10, uh, 10.38, And you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Him, anointed Him with the Holy Ghost and with power, and He went about for three years. Three years, this is what He did. He uh, did, did good, and He healed all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Emmanuel, guess what? God with us. Holy Ghost is inside of you. That same anointing is in you. If you're a believer, I got a river of life flowing out of me. Well, mostly we say, I got a river of life I have dammed up. (laughs) It's mine. It's all mine. Ain't gonna let nothing flow. But the idea is, the same anointing that Jesus had, He said, you're going to do the same things I did and greater. How are you going to do it? I'm going to send the Holy Ghost back down to you. He was anointed for three years that we know of, because the books of the world couldn't contain everything that He said and did. But we do know that in three years... Jesus removed the oppression of the devil from at least 40 people. And he did 10 different ways. He talked to them. He saw their faith. He spit in them. He took mud in them. Stuck his fingers in them. And we think we can limit God? He can go beyond 10. Jesus was anointed. He was the Christ. You know, when when, uh, Jesus... Uh, Caesarea Philippi. Brenda and I were there at that place, Caesarea Philippi. And there was a place, there was lots of small pebbles and stones on the ground. There was gigantic rock just surrounding the place. There was a cave that's called the, uh, uh, the, the Gates of Hell, where they used to offer idol worship to the god Pan, and where the blood from the uh, worship flowed into the Jordan River. And Jesus was at this place, and he, he asked the boys, boys, 
Who do people say I am? They say, well, Lord, they said, they say you're John the Baptist. They say you are Jeremiah. You are one of the prophets. And Jesus asked the question that reverberates to this room, because he's asking the same question of you. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, you're going to have a revelation of this. It won't be something you learned in theology school. Some, some teacher didn't teach you this. Uh, by the way, if your theology is not uh, preceded by neology, you're going to be practicing a meology. That's what I said. So, so Peter had a revelation from the Father. He said, well, you're the Christ. You're the living Son of God. Now that's some revelation right there. And Jesus said, well, you sure didn't get that from the uh, Hebrew University. My Father revealed that to you. Yeah. Anointed. You know the word Christos. Christos means Christ. And it means the anointed one. It's the Greek for Hebrew, Hamashiach. <laughs> Hamashiach. And, uh, and, uh, that wasn't his name. We know that. We know it wasn't Jesus Christ with Joseph Christ, Mary Christ, and all the little Christ. And on the mailbox it says, the Christ family. <laughs> no! The word Christ means anointed one. The word anointed means to be rubbed into, poured out upon, smeared into, of an unction or an oil or something to soften you up or slippery you up. He, you know, in Acts 10, uh, uh, Isaiah 10, where it talks about, and it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. You ever heard that? It's the anointing. And they always say it like this. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Well, what's he talking about? It got so slippery and fat, he cracked the, the, the yoke. And it couldn't be used against him any longer. Because it's the anointing. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. He was anointed with dynamic ability, dunamis, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He was anointed with yoke-breaking, burden-lifting, oppression-removing, healing power of the Holy Ghost. And that was back then, and it's right now. People will be healed today. And people won't be healed today. It's all hinged on reception. And traditions that you've been taught for years. The tradition of men that make the Word of God of none effect. God is here to touch people. He's not limited to healing 101 on Wednesday nights. He's out with me every time I go into a patient's home. And we begin to talk about the healing power of God versus the healing speech therapist. Oh, I do speech therapy, yeah. But they need to know. Because there's some people I talk to who have no hope of healing. I was talking to a lady the other day with ALS. Man, she, she's a fighter. She, she was talking to her, well, I'm going to beat this. I said, well, it's a degenerative disease and uh, in the flesh you're not going to beat it. And there's nothing you can do to beat it. But I do know an anointed one 
who can take an impossible situation. And I told her, I said, that's how I'm approaching you. I'm not, I'm not denying the reality of your sickness, but I am denying the reality of the right to rule you, and I'll stand with you with the word that you will be healed in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're just giving them false hope. At least they have hope. Jesus is the healer. And Ephesians talks about Him. Verb directions. Be strong in the Lord, not yourself. Be strong in His strength and not your might. Be strong in His vigor. His dominion. Be strong in His power and strength. And the power of His forcefulness, His might, His ability, and His strength. That's a lot better than being in the power of my might. You don't want the power of rod, you want the power of God. I can manipulate you, I can work your emotions up, and maybe something might happen in spite of me. But when God touches you, you're healed. You don't have to pretend, you don't have to work it up. You don't, and it goes beyond wishes. Wishes. I wish I could get healed. It's kind of like hope. Biblical hope is not this. And those in the room in that Sunday school class know exactly where I'm going to. This is biblical world, this is world hope. And I call it Truman Capote hope. And for you who don't know Truman Capote, look him up. Well, I hope I get healed, but I probably won't. He sounds like droopy dog on steroids. Well, I sure hope something happens, but it's not going to. That's not hope. That's wishing. That's just wish. That's a fluffy, cotton candy wish that is blown away by the next wind that comes along. Biblical hope means confident expectation. And it's rooted in faith, not in the situation, but in the Word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen or revealed to your senses. You walk by faith and not by sight. And Amplify says your life is regulated and conducted by faith and not what you see. Every time you get your eyes on what you can see, you'll give up every time. And then you'll say this. Well, it must not have been God's will. Well, it wasn't time. Well, that's just my cross to bear. The only cross you got to bear is yield your will to His will. He's already bore the sickness and sin and disease on the cross. Why are you trying to climb up there? I try all the time to, to, to crucify myself. You know, Paul's the guy who wrote Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. The same guy who wrote that wrote 1 Corinthians 15.31. I die daily. He wasn't dying again for sin and sickness. He was dying to his own flesh and yielding his will to the Father's will. You can get messages like these and more every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the Ruminator Sunday School class, if you desire. 
Somebody came up to me and said, boy, I sure wish we could have this Wednesday night class. Oh, everybody needs to hear this. They do every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> the Ruminator Sunday school class is the best kept secret in town. Shh, don't tell anybody. We serve food at 9 o'clock. I don't know. I might have to talk to people. We have food. Bring it. We have fun, have it. We have fellowship, do it. It's simple. Just do it. If you don't want to, that's fine. More for me. <laughs> Put on the full armor versus the partial armor. Not just a piece here and there. Sometimes the armor of God, it just, uh, that helmet, it just hides my profile. I don't think I need a helmet. I look too pretty. Don't you agree? Thank you, Connie. The only honest woman in the house. It's kind of like, do you think I'm funny? Not everybody thinks I am. Some of you out there are sitting with your arms crossed wondering, what's up with him? Don't he know this is church and this is the gospel? You can't laugh. There's no laughing in Christianity. What? Listen. We even had, my wife didn't even think I'm funny. <laughs> Brenda, you think I'm funny? And she kind of went like that. <laughs> but what she's not saying is, and I rarely embarrass my wife, but what she usually says to me, you ain't funny. <laughs> she, you know, yeah, I know it. Train up a child in the way he should, he should go. My son says, Dad, you ain't funny. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mom. You tell one little joke about going down 840 and you see the road are no road, and I say, don't go down that road, there are no road. <laughs> now, granted, I've told it 500 times, maybe the first one was funny. We even had to take a survey in the Ruminator Sunday School class, how many think I'm funny? Everybody raised their hand and said, Brenda. I just. <laughs> so put on the full armor of God. This ain't a buffet. This ain't take this piece of armor. Don't take that piece. Let's take this piece of armor. I know Paul said to buffet your body, but... <laughs> For those who don't know their scripture, it is buffet your body. <laughs> Whip it into shape. The uh, word armor means an implement and utensils or tools. A few people know I take karate. I take karate. I teach karate. And uh, I'm 65 years old. I will be in August. And I'm still kicking, not as hard, not as... I can't kick you by his head. I can kick you in the knees so you go, oh, and, and then kick your head. But... <laughs> Yeah, the only spinning kick I can do is to the ankle. But in karate, uh, the word karate means empty hand. Everybody look at your hands. You're practicing the art of karate. You've got nothing in your hand. Somebody attacks you, but, oh, grasshopper. Oh, grasshopper. I have lots of weaponry 
at my disposal. I, I have a head. Everybody, put your hand on your head. You know, if you slam your head into somebody's nose, it's going to break and, and uh, they're going to be in pain. And while they're in pain, you can kick them in the knee. <laughs> That's a weapon. That's a weapon. Of course, I got my hands, right? And the hands have very various configurations. You know, there's a fist, which most uh, common thugs like to throw around, fist. <laughs> but also, I've got... Uh, the edge of my hand. That's called the shuto uki or shuko shuto strike, and or as we like to call it, the karate chop. And if you hit somebody right here in all these nerves, they're going. Here's what's going to happen. And they're going. I've seen it happen. It's happened to me. I had an old man once. No, it has happened. Old, old people like to beat up on me. There was this old man who's a master of Nisado Jiu-Jitsu, and he says, I like to stay fat and old so people will be surprised when they attack me. So I started doing that. Why diet? Element of surprise. So he, so he was at his seminar, and he came up to me, and he did what's called the chicken beak. Chicken beak. And it's a little thing like that. And he said, Rodney, uh, if I hit you right there with the chicken beak, you'll go down to your knees. My first thought was, right, old man. So he says, let me show you. Let me demonstrate. Oh, he barely touched me. He held back. He just did this. Boom. My knees buckled. He had to hold me up because... <laughs> we got all kinds of touch points, right? And so that's with the hand. Here's another one with the hand. Look, this is called a, an Ippon Nukate. <laughs> the first group didn't get this. This is to gouge somebody's eye out. You try fighting with a blind guy, unless he's been taught by uh, Bruce Lee in the, movie, in the TV show uh, Longstreet, the blind lawyer. But boom! And we were told back in the 70s, when I was first learning this, that it's supposed to go to the opposite eye, and then it goes in that eye, and then you scoop it out and whip their eyeball out. Come on. It was the time of Bruce Lee, Billy Jack, Kung Fu on TV, and uh, Carl, uh, uh, Carl Douglas singing, Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Their fist was fast as lightning. But anyway, that's my hands. You can do... How many love the Three Stooges? Yeah, they do karate. Two-finger, that's called a Nihon Nukate. Boink! Go ahead, uh, do that to your person sitting next to you. Gouge their eyes out. Children, I'm only kidding. There's Johan Nukate. So, so you got your hands. Elbows. Elbows are wonderful striking places. Uh, the key to all these strikes are elements of surprise. Anybody ever been hit in the ribs with an elbow? Booyah! And there's also, you can come across with an elbow, you can come back with an elbow. So there's another one. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, yeah, your knees. Your knees. Your knees are great. You know, the knees are strategically placed close to the groin, right? And the ladies, make sure you hit them and hit them hard. Do not hold back anything. 
if they've got Roman hands and Russian fingers, that is not international etiquette. <laughs> Roman hands, Russian fingers. <laughs> Take your knee and knee them. I saw a video of a woman doing this in an elevator. Guy came up behind her. He's doing all this stuff. Next thing you know, she pushed him. Need him. And, uh, and then, uh, I believe she kicked him too. Little he was just laying in the hovel in the elevator. And you're sitting there at your computer going, bravo. Well done. I'm not against, I'm against violence, but that's not violence. That's justice. And then you got your feet. And of course, your feet, you know, keep it various places. So you got weaponry. And, uh, then you need to learn to. Is that twelve thirty? Wow! Somebody went too long in communion. <laughs> oh, we're just flowing in the spirit, eating up my time. Now, some of y'all are sitting back thinking, well, maybe you ate up your own time with your little stories. Well, maybe so. But the bottom line is, take up the full armor, resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, resist the devil. And uh, musicians, if you come up, and people who are going to pray, come on up also. But the main target is prayer. At the end, all prayer Conversation with God. All petitions, specifics with God. All Pray at all times, not just at some time. Pray in the Spirit, not in the flesh. That could be praying in tongues or it could be praying uh, in English. It doesn't matter as long as you're not in the flesh. And be on the alert. Don't fall asleep. Watch and pray. Now, This is the place where Ronnie says, well, we've got to be concerned about those in the nursery. And I am. But we're quickly going to come forth. If you need a healing, if you need a deliverance, if you need anything from God, if you need to come out from under the, the thorn of poverty, you don't have to think about it. You know who you are. Come on up now to get prayed for. Come on. Stand up, everybody. And come on if you need prayer. Because we're praying in faith. Somebody's going to get healed today. (laughs) Somebody's going to be delivered from a habit. Come. Don't wait for them to start singing. Come now. Come. That's right. Come on.